welcome to the Hope City Church podcast. We're so excited for you to listen along and hear this week's message. We pray it inspires and motivates and draws you closer to Jesus. Let's take a listen. Let's look at this together. and We're going to look at a passage of scripture that sadly, maybe many churches wouldn't look at anymore together. And it's in 1 Peter chapter 1. And we're going to start here in verse 13. And, uh, you know, as, as a pastor, you have a lot of conversations with people. People come and see you and talk to you about things that are going on in their life, things they're dealing with, problems and emotions and relationships and all these kind of things that they're dealing with. And so these are always things that I'm thinking and weighing through. And don't worry, I'm not going to talk about what any of those relationships or problems are that anybody's talked about. But here in 1 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 13 from the New Living Translation, Peter's writing this letter and he says, So think clearly and exercise self-control. I feel like we could stop there and talk for about half an hour about thinking clearly and exercising self-control. But he says, Look forward to the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. Verse 14, So you must live as God's obedient children. You must live. Everybody say must. You must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. Interesting note there that slipping back to your old ways is to satisfy your desires, not to satisfy his desires for you. So when you slip back into things, it's a selfish motive. He says, don't slip back into your old way of living. Because that's not what God wants for you. And when you slip and slide, when you, when you begin to walk on the slope of sin, that is a lot of S's, but when you begin to walk on the edge of where that's the slope of sin, you slowly start to slide down. And before you realize it, you're down in the dumps where you shouldn't be. Right? So he says, don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires you didn't know any better then. The, the implication is, you know better now. You didn't know better then, you know better now. But now, you must be holy in everything you do. Just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. Everybody say must. must. Be. be. Holy. Holy. I love how Peter's writing here. It's not a suggestion. It's not a, hey, maybe if you feel like it, you should try for this. He says, you must be holy because the scriptures, and he's referring to passages of scriptures in the book of Leviticus, and that passage of scriptures, God is talking, he says, you've got to be holy because I am holy. Now, I want to show you just so we're all clear and we understand what this word holy means and what Peter is actually referring to and what the Lord is referring to. And here on a slide, it's the Greek word hagios. It's, it's, it's the Greek G40, and it's hagios, and it means Morally pure, upright, blameless in heart and life, virtuous and holy. So there's no wiggle room there about what that word holy means. When the Lord says, be holy as I am holy, there's no wiggle room to say, well, I don't know if he really means, like that word holy in the Greek, it really means this. No, 
This word really means to be set apart, to be sanctified, to be consecrated, to be upright and blameless in heart and in your life and virtuous and holy. That's what God is saying. When he says be holy, he's talking about being holy. And I want to tell you this. Listen, I started off by saying we're going to look at a passage of Scripture that maybe a lot of churches would look at. And this is true, and here's why. Because I want to remind you that there is an implied understanding that when you move into relationship with Jesus Christ, that you leave your old self behind. So that means you leave your old way of thinking, your old way of doing, your old way of being behind. And you say, I'm leaving these things behind and I am stepping into something new, a new relationship, a new covenant, a new understanding of who God has created me to be. And God doesn't want me to walk in these old ways anymore. He wants me to come out of them and be holy and be separate. Are you with me? So I want to say to you today, there is a standard of living that the Lord expects you to strive towards. <laughs> Nobody likes hearing that, do we? Listen, 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 listen. The Lord loves you. He loves you. He loves you so much he sent his one and only son down from heaven to die on the cross for you to make a way so that when you mistake and mess up and do things you shouldn't do, you can come back and be like, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. And he says, I love you, I forgive you, let's continue to move forward. But the understanding is, is that you don't just wallow around in your sin and your despair. Listen, remembering that sin literally means just missing the mark. You've missed the mark. And so you're not living your life down there and saying, because I am in Christ now, I can live however I want. That's not what he wants. He wants you to continually come out of those things into what he's called you to you must be holy as I am holy and in fact Peter goes on in chapter 2 and he begins it's not on the screen but let's flip over a page so we can read this and get it right first Peter chapter 2 verse 9 Peter's talking he says but you're not like that for you are a chosen people you are royal priests a holy nation God's very own possession as a result you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So you step out of that old way of living. You step out of those old habits, those old patterns, those old ways that you thought, those old things that you did. You step out of those things and you step into something new so that people can look at you and say, there's something different about this person. I can see God at work in this person because I know what Chase used to be like and he encountered Jesus. His life was transformed and changed. And as I look at him, I see the goodness of God in Chase and I want to know more about it. So as I was reading this passage of scripture, I began to think about this. The devil's a liar. The devil is a, he's a liar. That guy lies. And in fact, in John chapter 8, verse 44, Jesus is talking, and it's on the screen, and it's, or it should be on the screen, and Jesus is speaking, and he says, he is the father of lies. And here's the thing. So, as soon as there is a set standard 
a, 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 a rule or something you say, this is what I'm trying to attain to. This is what I'm striving to live my life like. This is how I'm desiring to act and to be. I am working hard at becoming holy and being who God wants me to be. I am working to leave the past behind and step into all that God has called me to be. Uh, yes, I make mistakes and I have problems and I do things I shouldn't do, but I run to the Lord and he is gracious and just to forgive me those sins and I continue to move into all that God has for me. But what, what invariably happens is when there is a standard, when there is something that you are striving to achieve, what does the devil come and do? Oh, that guy just lies. And the first thing he'll do is he'll come to you and be like, hey, you're never going to be holy. You're never going to be righteous. You'll never meet that standard. I saw what you did. Or he brings things to you. He brings lies to you that try and stop you and seclude you and cause you to say, I'm never going to be there anyways, so why bother? You know, one of his favorite games is to lie to you, to cause you to feel guilt and shame so that you withdraw and seclude yourself. And one of his greatest lies that he tells people, and if we raised hands, we could all probably say, yes, he's told me this, is he likes to tell you, you're the only one. You're the only one who deals with this. Nobody else has ever had that same thought you just had. That's a lie. And in fact, if we took a poll and everybody was honest and nobody had to say, yes, I've felt this way before, we'd probably all raise our hands and say, yes, I have felt this way. I've dealt with these feelings. I've had these thoughts. I have these tendencies. Yes, we're all the same. He's, he, he can't even create new stuff. He just uses the same material on all of us. It'd be like going to a comedian that just had the same routine every night. That's what he does. He comes to Jen and he brings a lie. He's like, I'm going to take this. Look, I've got this new material for Chase. I'm going to take it over here. He tells Chase and we swallow it up. He's a liar. And in fact, in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, he likes to tell you you're the only one. But Romans 3.23 tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So we're all the same. We're all in the same boat. We're all trying to get where God's called us to go. We're all trying to be who God's called us to be. And in fact, I want to show you a passage of scripture in Romans chapter 7. Just hang on with me. We're going somewhere, I, I think. Romans chapter 7, the Apostle Paul is writing this letter. And, and he begins to address this. And in Romans chapter 7, we're going to start in verse 14. And we're going to read down to verse 25. And I want to read this to you. Because I want to show you that you're not alone. I want to show you that even the Apostle Paul, who wrote a huge chunk of the New Testament that we have today, struggled and dealt with the same things that we struggle and deal with. And I want to read this to you because I want to break the power of the devil's lies in our life where he comes to us and says, you're the only one. Nobody else feels this way. Nobody else has ever dealt with those things that you deal with. Nobody else thinks that way. Nobody else acts that way. Nobody else has the same problems you do. Nobody's got the same addictions you have. It's just you. I want to break the power. And it's not me breaking the power. It's the blood of Jesus that broke the power. And it's just us having to open our eyes to the truth that those lies are lies. And here's the thing. Here's the thing about a lie. Once you realize a lie is a lie, the power it has over you is done. 
right? When somebody tells you in the natural a lie and you realize that it's a lie, what happens? It's done. It's got no authority. It's got no power over you. But the enemy comes to us and just tells us lies. And for some reason, we grab onto these things and say, well, this lie must be the truth. I don't know why, but it's true. Yeah, out of all the 7 billion people on the planet alive right now, I'm the only person to ever have this thought. I'm so great and so unique that nobody else has dealt with these issues like I have. Wow. That's narcissistic. The Apostle Paul comes along here, verse 14 of chapter 7. He says, so the trouble is not with the law, for it's spiritual and good. He says this, this is the Apostle Paul. The trouble is with me. For I am all too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself. Have you ever felt like you don't understand yourself? I don't understand myself. For I want to do what's right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Has anybody been here before? I feel like I am here like at some point every day. And I say, why? Why did I do that? Why did I say that? Why did I embrace that thought? Why did I grab onto that lie? I want to do what's right, but I don't. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I'm doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I'm not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me that is in, in my sinful nature, he says. I want to do what's right, but I can't. I want to do what's good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. How many times have you found yourself in this place? Lots. Lots. But if I, don't want to do, but if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing wrong. It's sin living in me that does it. I have discovered this principle in life, the Apostle Paul says, that when I want to do what's right, I inevitably do what's wrong. <laughs> Great news. Thank you, Paul. Great news. And I love how it, the, new, the New Living Translation calls it a principle of life. I've discovered this principle in life. When there's something that I want to do and it's the right thing, I don't do it. I do the wrong thing. I do the opposite of what I want to do. I do the opposite of what I should do. Maddie, have you ever felt like that way? You know, you, you find yourself in a situation, you know the right thing to say, you know the right thing to do, and you just do the opposite. I mean, I, I do all the time. I'm telling on myself right now. I do it all the time. I inevitably do what's wrong. I love God's law with all my heart. See, we're not bad-hearted, are we? We're not bad-hearted people. We're not hard-hearted people. The Apostle Paul says, I love God's word with all my heart. But there's another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to that sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So you see how it is in my mind. I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I'm a slave to sin. I really want to do the right thing, but I don't. I make mistakes all the time. And the only answer, the only way through it, the only way out of it is through Jesus Christ. Galatians chapter 5, verse 17 is on the screen here. Look at this. It says, the sinful nature. So the Apostle Paul is, re is referring to this. Listen, maybe you don't know this. I'm going to assume that we don't. I'm just going to tell you anyways. But we are made up of three different parts. You are a spirit. 
that has a soul that lives in a body. You're a spirit. Jacob Dana, stand up. Jacob Dana, this is the body part of Jacob Dana. And just in case you're wondering, people have asked, Jacob Dana is not my son. I'm, I mean, I guess we love him, but I mean, I guess you technically could be my son. I'm old enough for you to be my son, but he is not my son, okay? But what you see is the body part of Jacob. And inside of Jacob is the spirit part. And that's the part that when this great looking body part dies and it's buried or cremated or whatever you do, whatever you decide to do, when that day comes and his body is gone, the spirit is the part of him that lives forever. And then there is the soul that's made up of his mind and his will and his emotions, his feeling. And the Bible talks about these two parts are always fighting against each other. Not his body part, but his spirit, the eternal part, and his soul, which is mind and will and emotions. And those two are always clashing. Sit down, you good-looking man. That's not my son. <laughs> so it says here, I don't have my Bible here. It says, the sinful nature, or some translations call it the flesh, which is your mind and your will and your emotions, want to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you're not free to carry out your good intentions. The spirit and the flesh are always butting heads with each other. And that's what the Apostle Paul is referring to when he says, there's this other work, there's this other power that's at work within me stopping me from doing the thing that I want to do. And I'm saying this to break the power of the enemy's lies that he brings to you. Because we all deal with these things. We all walk through life. None of us are going to make it through being blameless. I had a conversation a couple years ago with a believer who could just not grasp the fact that no matter how hard he tried, he would not escape being sinless. No, they're not. <laughs> I feel like you're all looking at me saying like, oh, well, uh, uh, hmm, is that an option? No, you were not going to make it through this life being sinless, in case you're confused about that. You'll probably make it out this door without being sinless, but by the time you get to your car, you might have done something you shouldn't have done. You might have thought something you shouldn't have done. You might have said something you shouldn't have done. Okay, we're humans, we live in a fallen world, and you are going to be fighting this fight until you get to heaven. And in fact, the Bible says that the only person who's ever lived that was sinless was Jesus. Okay, so these two forces are at war within us, good and evil, our flesh and our spirit. And we are going to walk through this life and we're going to deal with stuff. But the enemy comes and says to you, you're the only one who deals with this. And I want to remind you, devil is a liar. In your life, he comes to you and he says lies to you. He says, you're not good enough. You're not smart enough. Nobody loves you. Nobody cares about you. You're the only person that deals with this issue. You're the only person that has that kind of addiction. You're the only person that's going to go through these things in your whole world. It's a lie. So then I was reading in the book of Hebrews. Let's go there together. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 11 is when the author, who most people believe is Paul, but it's not confirmed, is writing this book, and he talks about the great examples of faith, and the people who lived in faith, the people who died in faith. And in Hebrews chapter 12, starting at verse 1, says, Therefore, 
since we're surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, he says this, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Verse 2 says, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. I want to look at this verse together. Because the problem is, is that a lot of believers live in Romans chapter 7. We live there. And we never make it past I got these issues in my life. I got these fights in my life. We never move beyond that into the grace and the mercy of God, taking us to where he's called us to be. We never figure out how do we get beyond these issues in our life? How do we get beyond not just accepting these lies, but making these lies part of our identity? And the answer is found here in Hebrews chapter 12. To move from Romans chapter 7, you've got to do what it says here in Hebrews chapter 12. And what it says is this. It says, let us strip off every weight and sin that slows us down. Now, the writer here is using the analogy of running a race. Last week, I was driving home somewhere. Do you ever drive and you just see the weirdest things? Like, you see people on the side of the road and you're like, what is happening right now? I was driving home. And I, I passed somebody jogging, and I, as I was driving up, I could see this person was jogging. But the closer I got to this person, <clears throat> I'm not sure what was happening. <laughs> this person w- had clearly at some point that morning been riding a bike, like a bicycle. They had no bike no longer, but now they were running. This person had a bike helmet on and like a backpack, biker shorts, like, I don't know if they were wearing, you know, like those biker shoes that clip into the, like they had all the bike equipment on. And this person was now just running on the side of the road. And I thought to myself, huh, that's interesting. Something's missing here. This person was running now, like, I haven't gone running for a couple of years, but I, I know that when you go running, unless you're training for something, you don't pack on a bunch of weight. You definitely don't wear a helmet. Like I, <laughs> that's the first piece to go, It's the bike helmet. And it wasn't like a cool, like, this helmet has a purpose for running. It was like, this is my bike helmet, and I'm just wearing it because I'm, I'm running now. But I know that when you go running, I mean, there's special shoes that you can buy for running that are, that are way lighter than normal shoes. They're different shoes that you would wear, like going to work out at the gym. There's special shorts and shirts that you buy that, like, the shirts are made of a different material that, like, they're called moisture wicking, and they get rid of all the sweat, and so your body's not sweating while you run, so your clothes don't get heavy. You have different shorts you wear. The point is, is to remove as much weight from your body as possible so you can run the entire race that you're spent to run. You know what I'm saying? So I passed this person on the road wearing all these weird clothes, helmet, backpack, biker shorts, weird stuff. This person was like, it was like they were putting on things to run some kind of race instead of removing things. And the, and the writer here says, you've got to remove the things in your life. And what I love is the emphasis is on you. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down. 
especially the sin that so easily trips us up. That's on you because you know the things you deal with. You know the, the sins and the lies that you've, that you've believed and allowed into your heart. And you have to say, I reject these things. I no longer want this to be attached to me. I no longer want to wear this helmet of lies, so I'm going to take it off. I no longer want to run a race wearing this parka, so I am going to take this off. You have to choose with the grace and the help of Jesus Christ to remove those things from your life. He says to run the race with endurance you're not called to run a sprint you're called to run an endurance race and those are two very different things to run an endurance race you have to remove those things because you're going for a long time who knows how long you're running for so you want to get rid of everything that stops you and he says everything that would trip you up he says the sin that so easily ensnares you So we have these things that trip us up. It's on us to remove them from our lives. It's on us to say, I've got to get this out of my life. I don't want this to be part of who I am. I don't want to deal with this anymore. I don't want to walk this way anymore. So I'm going to remove these things. Jesus, I need your help. I'm struggling with this. I'm dealing with this. This has become part of who I am, but I don't want it to be part of who I am. So Jesus, I need you to help me remove this thing. It's tangled up around me. It's wrapped up in my brain. It's become part of who I am. And so he says, let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Then he says this in verse 2, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. We do this. We do what? When he says we do this, then you can ask yourself as you're reading the Bible, he says, we do this. You can say to yourself, I do what? What is he talking about here? He's talking about running the race with endurance. He's talking about removing those things that snare you and trip you up. And he says, we do that. We remove those things. We run the race with endurance by keeping our eyes on Jesus. The New King James and the NIV say that when it talks about how he's the author and finisher, the New King James says, the NIV says that he is the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. Here it says, in the New Living, it says, that he is a champion who initiates and perfects our faith. You remove these things from your life and you run the race with endurance that God has put before you by keeping your eyes fixed on Jesus. You lay those weights and sins aside. You take those things off by keeping your eyes on Jesus because the goal is in your life to run and become more Christ-like. So if you keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, what you look at is where you go. Have you ever thrown a baseball or a rock in one direction while you look another direction? The ball never goes where you want it to go. And you look like you don't know how to throw. You got to look at where you're going. And when you keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, who is the initiator and the perfecter of your faith, 
or as the King, New King James says, the author and the finisher of your faith, when you keep your eyes on Jesus, when you keep your eyes fixed on him, that's where you're heading. And what you stare at, what you look at, where you move is where you move to, and where you move to is what you become. I'm looking at Jacob, and I'm looking at Jacob, I'm going to walk towards Jacob. You lay those things aside. You lay those weights off by looking at Jesus. You're like, great, so I look at Jesus. How do I look at Jesus? Jesus isn't here in this room for me to look at physically. No, but you can look at his word. And you need to look in his word. You got things in your life that you're dealing with. You got issues in your life that you can't get free of. You got things that are wrapping themselves around you and you're trying to run the race that the Lord has put before you, but you find yourself where you keep falling and tripping and you can't get up. And every time you do get up, you fall back down again because something's wrapped around your legs. Well, here's what you do. You keep your eyes fixed on Jesus by opening the word of God and seeing what the word of God says about you and your life and your situation. You remind yourself that the devil just brings you lies. And so maybe you've accepted some things, and maybe you've believed some things, and maybe you've allowed some things to make a home in your heart and become part of who you are. You need to begin to allow by the Spirit of God those things to be rooted out of you, pulled out of you. You don't have to be that way. You don't have to believe those lies. You don't have to do those things anymore because those are the old. You are called to be holy as I am holy. So remove those things from your life. Begin to walk forward by keeping your eyes on Jesus. And guess what? When you make a mistake, and you will, you get back up and you say, I'm sorry, and you look at Jesus some more and you keep walking. And every time you fall down and every time you skin your knee, you get back up and you say, Jesus, man, I did it again. I did the thing I didn't want to do. I want to do the right thing, but I did the wrong thing. I'm sorry. He says, I love you. You're forgiven. Let's keep going. And you keep walking every step of the way. A whole point today is to remind us of a couple things. Number one, that there is a standard that God desires us to live at. That there are things that God doesn't want us walking in. There's things in our life that God probably doesn't want there. And if you stopped and took a moment and asked him about it, he'd probably say, I still love you, but I don't think you should have that in your life. I don't think you should allow that addiction in your life. I don't think you should allow that way of thinking in your life any longer. There's things that he wants to pull out of you so that you can be more perfectly formed in his image like James talks about being mature I want to remind you that the devil's a liar and you don't have to believe those lies he says to you because there is a higher truth there is a higher way and that way is the way of Jesus Christ and I want to remind you today Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus as you run your race. Because you've got a long race to run. You've got a lifetime of a race to run. And he wants to run that race with you. And he wants to help you. See, he talks about he's the author and finisher. He's the finisher. He's the completer. He's the perfecter. He wants to get you to the end of that race finished, mature, complete. He doesn't want to see you stop halfway through. He wants to get you all the way to the end.
so you become the person that he's designed and destined and created you to be walking in his authority walking in his power and walking in his freedom so like it said in first peter 2 verse 9 that people will see the goodness of god in you let's pray together Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you are drawn closer to Jesus and that his spirit, his love, and his life are filling you right now. If you'd like more info about who we are and what we're doing at Hope City, head over to hopecitychurch.ca to find out more. And if you liked what you heard, head over to iTunes and rate the podcast to spread the word so others can hear too. And oh, one more thing before we go. We just want to remind you that you were made for hope.